Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. Hey, it's Brother Jeremy. Thank you for joining us this evening. This evening, we're going to dig into building up in Colossians chapter 2 is where we're going to come from. The first thing we learn in Colossians chapter 2 is that Paul is an encourager. Well, if you know the person, Paul, and you know all the changes that have happened in his life, to be an encourager is, is something that probably is foreign to him. Because Saul, we know Saul, the persecutor. He was the one that, that went around harming people and throwing people in jail and ending their lives and all those things. He was a part of that. So the encourager is, after he knew Christ, it completely changed his whole character, his whole demeanor, his whole direction, his whole understanding. And so he chooses to encourage. Even though he's not there, he can't physically be there which is the letters he's writing, he wants to encourage, us to encourage the churches who are believers in Christ, those that are trying to grow in Christ, those that are trying to do what is right by God, even though no one else is doing what is right. And certainly you can find some parallels to right here and now today. But let's look at verses 1 through 4 as it's broken apart in this way. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with pervasive or persuasive arguments. This is this is so that you know what fullness you have in Christ and that you're working on protecting yourself from those that might come around that might try to mislead you or lead you in the wrong direction. The second thing that Paul wants us to know is that yes he's absent in the body but he can still challenge them. You and I can still challenge others. We can still make an impact in their lives. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. It says, For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. Continue to walk. You've been made new in Christ. Whether or not somebody is sitting there with you or, or telling you exactly this or exactly that, that doesn't mean that you can't walk in that manner. And he's encouraging them also because of the good work that they've done. That they have been good to follow the discipline and stability of the faith 
they have received Christ Jesus and are walking in Him, He calls them back to understand that they are firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in their faith. As they were instructed, they are full of gratitude. These are some attributes or things that should be happening in the lives of any believer. This is important things to understand. All of these things that were occurring were progressions that should appear in, in a believer's life and gratitude should be flowing over. Being rooted means that you have already dug deep and the little things are not going to blow you down. The little things are not going to get you up and bothered. Live with gratitude being established in your faith. Thirdly, be on full alert. The one thing I've observed throughout life is that Satan, evil, all that's still going on no matter what we're facing. They don't take a vacation, don't take a break. So we have to be on full alert for those in our life that do not live according to the Word, those in our life that are always trying to tear us down instead of build us up, those in our life that are, that are seeking to do harm to us. So not everybody has our best interest. In verse 8 it says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Don't be swayed. Don't be easily taken by philosophies that are man-made created by the world. Don't be deceived by what people tell you are right and wrong ways to live. Don't be led in that direction, but live according to Christ. Formerly, you and I lived according to the measure of sin in our lives and everything the world told us to do. Imagine if you were one who believed everything that you were told. Reality is, you have to know and experience it for yourself for it to become true. That means if you are listening to someone who is giving a talk or a sermon or a speech on biblical type matters and they say things that sound biblical, always go and check in Scripture and look for where they got what they got, what conclusions they drew from that, how they came to that point that they're trying to make. And if it is not rooted in Christ, in Scripture, and led initiated by God, then it's just their opinion. You've got to follow Christ. It's important to understand following Christ and being on full alert for these type people there's a way to be complete. Verse 9 through 15, it says, For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in Him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority, and in Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, 
having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Understand completeness is only possible in Christ. Completeness signifies that there's nothing lacked in our life or lacking in our lives, that we have all that we need because of all what Christ has done. Because of what He did in, in the life while He was here, his, his death for us and paying the penance or price or debt for our sin, He made us complete in Him. Sin separates us. We're incomplete. It keeps us away from God. But Christ was the game changer that made that way for us. And the sin that we had, that we could not get rid of, Christ paid for that sin, dying for us once and for all. And it says here in verse 14, as I love it, He has taken it out of the way and having nailed it to the cross. It's so important for us to understand what it means to be complete. Having a shiny new car doesn't make you complete. Having the best new device doesn't make you complete. Having everything you ever wanted doesn't make you complete. Everything aligning as it should in life and going according to your plan doesn't make it complete. What makes you and I complete is Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you have that assurance of faith that you ought to have? That regardless of what comes your way, Christ is in control. And He's going to take your life and do something extraordinary. Just as He redeemed you, He has triumphed over all. And that's significant for you and I to know to be made complete. Meaning that our sin has no hold on us when we are in Christ. We are free. Free indeed. And that is the beginning of the knowledge of what liberty is all about. We are free in Christ and alone in Christ. Fourthly, we understand that God is the judge. Now, chances are you've lived in the same world I have, and there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions, and a lot of opinions go around, and a lot of people believe they know a lot of things, and there are people who are educated beyond means, and they have thoughtful things to say, but I'm telling you, at the very end of all things, those people will have to stand before an Almighty God to give an account for the life that they've lived, for what they've said and what they've done, just like you and I will. And for them who knew these worldly philosophies, had all these education measures, gave to philanthropic things, were good people, they're going to stand before God and tell all of that, but if they don't have Christ, their eternal destination is going to be in hell forever, separated from God. Nevermore, they'll be in that place of turmoil, no rest, eternal separation, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a destination, it's not a scare tactic, it's the reality that we all stand before God. 
So God is the judge, number four, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to the food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In their society, they had foods which you could and could not eat based on their tradition, based on their religious beliefs. But Christ, when He came, He shattered all of those things because He opened the gospel message not just for the Israelites. He opened the gospel message in fulfillment for all people. Primarily in this, in this discourse here, they're talking to the Gentiles, but He opened it for all, saying that no man can make a rule that prohibits these things that God is saying. Don't get so wrapped up in these kind of rules and regulations and things which have no bearing on eternity. Everything belongs to Christ. And Christ is the judge. It doesn't matter what others say. It doesn't matter what authorities say. You and I, if we are children of God, He is the ultimate in our lives. The one that we go to when this world simply is too much to bear. When we're facing adversity and hardships, I've seen God make a way where there was not a way. I've seen God soften hearts of men and women around. I've seen God change the face of families. I've seen the capacity of God. And even I haven't seen everything. So what I have seen lends me to say, God's in control. God's going to take care of us. If we are His, He is within us. He's going to take care of us. Fifthly, we need to hold fast to the prize. Hold fast to something. That means that we've got to stake our claim on what God says and where He leads and speaks forth in our lives. That our identity in Christ must be secure. And holding on means that we understand today, tomorrow, other days are going to be hard, difficult, and we don't have the ability in ourselves to do what is necessary. But holding fast means that our reward, as we understand it, is heaven. So one day, we will know and stand before God, and He'll say, Welcome home, good and faithful servant. To me, that is the just reward for a life lived in pursuit of Him. Understanding the identity we have, the price that was paid, we are called, therefore, to hold on. 18 says this, Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of the angels taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause, by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance to the commandments and teachings of men. 
These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So we're breaking apart all of these scriptures within this chapter that we've read. We, just like he was trying to be an encouragement to those people there, we too are, to, are, are intended to be encouragement to others. We are to love one another. Part of loving one another is to have concern and care for one another. The concern and care for one another was never just meant to be relegated to pastor or pastoral staff. It's for everybody who has that identity in Christ. We are to encourage one another. On this evening, if you don't have someone that encourages you directly, be an encourager. Make up your mind that you're going to encourage at least another person, if not more. And the more encouraging you are, the more help it is to someone else. And that can be your delight. But I've found that when I encourage others, I get a whole lot in return. And it may not be what the world says in return, but I am encouraged as well. But the gospel leads and should lead us to be unified together. As a church, as a body of believers, we are to walk in that knowledge and understanding of who we are in Christ. It should mean something. So that should encourage you and I. Since March, we have been on this up and down roller coaster based on what was going on in the world. But that wasn't meant to take away our joy or make us incomplete in some way. Because our joy, our completeness comes from Him. So secondly, fullness or completion, we should have, and if we haven't, we need to stay rooted in Christ. See, those two things work together. Being full or complete and staying rooted in Christ. If we are rooted in Christ, then we are full and complete. If we are full and complete, then we have remained rooted in Him. It's very important to understand that, that, that this new life, this creation, that you and I have freedom because we have been forgiven from all transgressions. Understand that when I say that. That doesn't say some things. That doesn't say a few things. That, that you know, good well wishes kind of thing. We have been forgiven from all our sin. All of our sin. All of our transgressions. And that fact alone changes all aspects of how you and I are to live in this world. There's a difference in someone's life who's captive by the sin and someone who is living in this fullness, being rooted in Christ. There's a difference in how they live. He is the difference maker and changes everything. Thirdly, watch out for the schemes of the world. Scripture tells us that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ has come to bring life. That is abundant life. Think in your mind how great life is in Christ. Now multiply that by like infinity. To me, when, when I was in school, uh, infinity was like the ultimate comeback. 
this times infinity. Ooh, you know. But think about it. God's love has no end. And His provision for us has no borders, no end. But there's a real enemy in this world. We can't let our guard down. And the enemy is Satan. And evil is apparent in this world. That abundant life. We've also got to be unwilling to compromise. If not for our own sake, but for the calling of Christ and our witness. Do you know that if you are a child of God, you've been called to tell others about Him? You've been told the good news, and Christ has changed your life. This radical change that has left you forever different than you ever were before. Sin is no longer on you. Christ took care of that. So that new life that you live in the Spirit of God, it's the calling to tell to make disciples, to share your faith, and to do so over and over again until the whole world has a chance to know Him. So if we are compromising the way that we should live, if God's Word is not true and, and, and real and speaking forth in our life, if we're not telling the good news and serving others and loving others and believing that God is the greatest in our life, then it's going to hurt our witness. It's going to hurt who we are in Christ. Yes, it doesn't change our standing with Him, but the whole world is looking and watching and wanting to see the reality of Christ in our life to understand and discern who He could be in their lives. So our witness is important. Our testimony is important. The way that we live is important. Inside the church, yes, outside the church even more so, in our families, in our work, in our business, in the classroom, with our friends, with others. It's all-encompassing. Christ is part of that witness. So we stay on alert. And also there's a real warning in all of this that we don't unknowingly need to be someone else's stumbling block. We don't need to cause another person to stumble. Meaning, what does that mean? That means that if there are some that are looking for the truth, looking for the way that is Christ, you and I don't need to do, as Christians, anything that keeps them from getting to that destination where they understand Jesus is Lord and Savior of their lives. There are too many Christians that are bad examples of who Christ is because they live according to their plan instead of Christ in us. This is what everybody in the world sees. But you might be in a place you're in in this life, right here and now, because that's where God has you and God wants you to do something for those that are around you. So think of yourself as a missionary called to the classroom, as a missionary called to your friends, called to your family, called to this work, this job, this business deal, and Everywhere you go, whether you're getting groceries or you're driving through the drive-thru window to pick up food, wherever you are, be encouraging to others. Don't be a stumbling block. We've got to understand that there's a great difference between the teachings of God and the teachings of man. 
There's a lot of people, they sound good. Their teaching sound good. Their writing sounds good. And it sounds like something we need to pull in and, and make a part of our life. But don't let anything man-made, a teaching of man, speak louder than the Word of God and God in your lives. God's Word reigns supreme. Follow the teachings of God. While the teachings of man sound sweet, and sound good. Only God's word is right. And there's a grave difference between the two. We gotta watch out also for false prophets. That means there are many that are out there speaking the word and, and leading in this direction, but they have an ideology ideology that does not align with scripture, that does not fit into God. Just because someone says they are of Christ does not make them of Christ. There are many that want to deceive you or lead you to believe this or that because that's their personal philosophy. You'll notice in scriptures, especially in my sermons, you'll hear more, more scripture verses than you hear anything else because it's so important that you don't hear me. You hear God in me. So His Word says what it needs to say and it's just as true as it was then. Beware of false prophets. Know your scripture and know Christ. Also, be wary of selfish indulgements. We live in a world right now where there's this idea that people are do something like they're entitled to something, like they, they automatically deserve something, a participation trophy in life. You don't automatically get something. If you don't know Christ, then you are not a child of God. When you die, you will be in hell. Period. The only way to Heaven is through Christ. You've got to understand that. But that also means that if you are a believer in Christ, you put the things of this world, of your body, to death for Christ's sake. Don't let anything reign supreme and run rampant in your life. And many of you may have addiction. Maybe many of you have something that just captures your attention. This selfish indulgement means that nothing should occupy and control your life. So God needs to be in that place in your life. Not any of these other things that the world around you tells are good and okay or acceptable or unacceptable or right or wrong. It's only Christ that gets to say that in the church, in your life, in everything. I think of two illustrations that take this and make this make sense. First, we are grafted to the vine through Jesus. Romans tells us that formerly we were, we were enemies in our sin, but Christ, dying for us, made it possible for all people to believe 
and become children of God. That means when we, once we're part of the family, we're part of the family for life. That means we get the t-shirt and the whole nine yards. We are part of the family of God through Jesus Christ. So the vine in Scripture represents the people of God throughout history. Israel. Being grafted into the vine means that all people of all types and backgrounds can know the name of Jesus Christ. But it's our choice. It's your choice. Second illustration is about the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Let's look over to the book of Luke. And let's see what Luke says. Luke chapter 10, if you'll turn there with me, and we'll look at this parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke 10. In Luke 10, verse 30, it says, Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to him, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came up to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? 37 says this, And he said to him, The one who showed mercy towards him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. It's encouraging that we know that we are meant to build others up. That we're meant to tell the truth in love. That we're meant to live according to a standard and a measure that is, that is so drastically different than the world around us. Christ, if He has redeemed and changed you and me, we must live according to His teachings. We must be unwilling to compromise. We must be willing to be on guard and be willing at a moment's notice to, to live and speak a testimony of salvation. We've got to understand who we are. Staying rooted in Christ makes us complete. And as we live that out, it's His testimony that changes the lives of those around us. We've got to be faithful to Him. He's been faithful to us. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. 
If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.